And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall here from Golf.com, joined as always by Golf.com's Andrew Turski and True Specs, Chris McCormick. Guys, how are you doing? Let's go. Hey, Wall, Fired up to you? pod. Fired up to pod today. Let's wow. do it. Fired up to pod. Yeah, That's why a, not? All right. I, I, I like it. So, some weeks some weeks I'm, I'm fired up. Other weeks I, I'm like, eh, I guess we got a pod this week. And then I get really excited about it, like mid, mid, you know, mid pod. You've got a vacation coming up. You're already checked out. Dude, I know. This is is like last day of school before summer break for you. You are right. I'm kind of coasting through this week. Uh, uh, We've got a lot going on, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm running low on motivation right now. We had had, Tursky and I had a big week last week, end of the week especially. Uh, We'll we'll, we'll tease that here, here in a little bit, but... Yeah, lot lot going on. Very little motivation. I will not be on the pod next week, so you can enjoy a uh, J Wall less fully equipped Turski and finally and Chris will be uh, man in the ship. <laughs> I know, I know, you guys are excited. I would be too. You get a, get a week without my voice and my uh, my constant rambling. So, are we gonna tease the the guest for next week or no? I guess that just was a tease right there. Who's our guest for next week? Don't we have someone pretty cool lined up, Chris? Do we? Maybe. Do we have somebody lined up pretty cool? Who? Uh... This isn't much of a tease now. <laughs> That's what I'm <laughs> say. Are we, are we going to keep going with this tease? Because we're, we're just we're just stringing it out. Yeah, we we I have. I don't want to drop the... any hints on it because it's like we, hard we to have we have a, a very like, telling the name. I would say in like the the fully equipped interview power rankings. I'll say Ray Allen's numero uno. Ray was awesome, um, but th- this this guest will. I'm actually really bummed that I'm going to be missing out. But y'all y'all can can have some fun. But it'll be a good one. Promise. You want Ray listen. Allen's tough to beat, especially when he was like, we we're like, what's your lowest score? He's like, what do you say, 62, 63? It's like, wait a second, yeah. aren't you like a Hall of Fame basketball player? This doesn't make yeah. any sense. Who also, who also is is approaching uh, a uh, wonderful sub sixty round? Yeah, pretty crazy. But yeah. yes, listen, listen next week. It'll be no wall and an awesome guest. It might be the best pod ever. I'll I'll just I'll just put it that way. Ever. Before we get into this week's tour topics, we wanted to share a message from our official sponsor, Fairway Jockey. From stock to custom shafts, club grips, and more, Fairway Jockey is the destination for the golfer that wants an advantage. Visit fairwayjockey.com for all that and more, including the chance to check out Hanma's Barra's five-star irons. Ever wanted to see what a set of $27,000 irons looks like? Check them out at fairwayjockey.com. Let's get into this week's topics. A lot going on on tour. A couple other things that we wanted to discuss. But first off, let's get into some gear changes. Biggie coming out of Hilton Head. Dustin Johnson changing the putter. No surprise there. Oh, but you know what is? He's changing putter shafts. It's an interesting one here. So DJ on Sunday, uh, I saw it during the telecast, is putting with a brand new TaylorMade TP Bandon 1 prototype. It's a winged mallet. Um, You know, TaylorMade, I would say, has come out with, with similar designs like this in the past. But this is a brand new putter. Hasn't come out yet. Tour only. And DJ decides to try it on Sunday at Hilton Head with an LA Golf multi-material TPZ 135 shaft. Um, LA Golf, as I'm sure you're familiar, is is Bryson's 
uh, shaft of choice. It's the same putter shaft that he has in his putter. Um, it's the same putter shaft that we've seen Ricky Fowler use. Actually, Tommy Fleetwood used the identical putter earlier in the week. He missed the cut, uh, had a, a pretty roller coaster week with that putter, uh, lost two strokes to the field in round one. Nearly made the cut after shooting 76 in the opening round. He shoots 65 in the second round. Nearly makes up the strokes that he lost on the green with the same putter in round two. Um, so, you know, again, a different, different putter head. But the shaft is interesting because DJ, we've seen him change putter heads more times than we can count. But not to a multi-material shaft. That, that's a new one. So it looks like maybe he's looking for, what, do you think a bit more stability, guys? Absolutely. I mean, that's essentially what the platform of that shaft is, is much stiffer, very, very low torque. And the story behind it is that they are attempting to eliminate deflection uh, that you're going to see in a lot of other traditional putter shafts. So that was the whole point of that TPZ design was to just make something extremely stiff and very, very low torque. All stability. Why does deflection matter, Chris, when it comes to the putter? I mean, it's it's not a club that you're swinging with with great force, but but why does deflection make a difference when it comes to the flat stick? So, I mean, really, you're just, again, like we said, going towards that stability factor and just trying to keep it as stable as possible for consistency and distance control, uh, feel and feedback, and something that is deflecting a little bit could potentially influence some of the distance control. So taking that out of the the way that the shaft reacts through impact is on paper just going to make you a more consistent putter. And even if you don't necessarily strike it as crisply in the center of the face as you would like to. How do you determine whether you need more stability or something a little bit more flexible, like towards the head? I mean, there's some shafts that are made to be super stable, and then there's some shafts, I mean, there's multi-material shafts where it's really stiff in the hands, and then it's very flexible near the head. Like, are there some telltale signs with the putter that you can can go off when you're trying to decide on a shaft switch? You can look at stroke type. You can look at a player's release pattern how they release the putter, how they actually strike the ball. I mean, there's a couple different schools of thought depending upon if they are a linear putter, a radial putter, uh, how they deliver it through impact. And a lot of the uh, a lot of the nuances with putting go back to just a player's feel and feedback. So, I mean, what necessarily feels good to you might not feel as good to me. What produces the most consistency and distance control and feel for you might be exact opposite for me or Wall. Also, when's the right time to make a switch like that? And why is it Sunday at a PGA tour event? (laughs) (laughs) For some of those guys, there's, there's not necessarily a good explanation for it. It's uh, if, if things are going wrong and uh, they get out on the practice green and all of a sudden they start seeing the ball go in the hole, and if it's not going the way you want it to go, may as well make a change. No time like mm-hmm. the present. If you're a fan of gear switches, Dustin Johnson's absolutely the best follow. It's, I mean, round to round, he's switching everything, <laughs> event to event. I mean, <laughs> you might not even have the same 
the same driver in next week. It's just this, it's yeah, this, this is a this is an interesting year for for DJ. I mean, he's he's really struggled with the driver. He's he struggled uh, to find a model that works for him. We've seen him go Sim Two, Max version of Sim Two, back to the previous Sim. He was actually back in the previous Sim at Hilton Head. Um, you know, it's it is it's D, DJ's DJ's been a fun one to track this year. If you're if you're a gear writer, probably not. If you're um, on staff or one of the reps for for TaylorMade, you're probably doing a lot of work behind the scenes working with those guys. And uh, and DJ typically with the driver, it's like auto. You just give him one and he's good to go. But yeah, he he's been doing some additional testing this year, and um, good for us though. Lots lots of uh, lots of gear fodder from from week to week. So, Even when he's playing uh, well, he makes a lot of switches and does a lot of testing. But you could tell he's struggling a little bit with how much he's changing this year. Yeah, the yeah, putter, he's, the he's putter one was, the putter one was interesting because I, I was told that he received the putter on a Saturday and tested it. So he he didn't got have that one, new putter with the new, new shaft and the new head. He got it on Saturday. Shipped to throws him on it in Saturday. the bag on Sunday. Sunday, yeah. So that when shows did he do his that, testing in the hotel room? Probably, probably Saturday after. I mean, I would say Saturday after his round, he's probably rolling putts. But that would lead me to believe that he wasn't contemplating putting that putter in play. I mean, if he's waiting until you know Saturday and requesting a build be sent to Hilton Head, then you know that's somebody that's really looking for like, hey, I want to try this putter now. I don't want to wait until until my off week to try it. I want to try it in a game situation and see what happens. And I. I think he picked up more than three strokes on the field with the putter in the final round. So I'm, I'm positive you're going to see it in, uh, in at Valspar, which he said is going to be his next start. But um, yeah, I mean, this putter shaft has been incredibly popular. We, we've talked about multi-material putter shafts before. Um, even when we went back to kind of looking into our crystal ball and, and also mentioning, you know, the biggest gear stories from the past year, we did this last year. You know, I, I pointed out, the, the proliferation of, of multi-material putter shafts that we've seen out on tour. Um, Kevin Na is another one who won with, with this LA golf shaft. So yeah, he was like keeps, the first uh, one to have it, I think, wasn't he? He's had that in the, in the bag for yeah, a while. He, he's had it. Yeah. And I mean the, I think the week that he won in, uh, in was it, I think it was Vegas. I think he, mm-hmm. I think he set the record for, uh, for most, feet of of putts hold during during uh during a tournament i mean something crazy he absolutely did he absolutely yeah can't he can't even throw out like whatever the number was but it was insane so uh but the difference is is that dj is a needle mover Uh, unfortunately kevin na is not um bryson is too but i feel like dj using it because he's still conventional you know bryson's still with the arm lock which got a lot of press this uh this last lock is hot we're not we're not going to talk on the about golf it too internet much. streets right now. Woo. At least, at least we weren't going to talk about arm lock that much. But man, um, you know, Will Zalatoris is an arm lock guy. He had a great week at Augusta in his in his first start, and it seemed like it kind of snowballed from there. Billy Horschel comes out and talks about it during during his pre tournament. Now we got Brad Faxon saying that the USGA needs to get rid of arm lock again. We're not going to talk too much about it, but there was a lot about the arm lock. But Bryson used it uses it in his putter. It's not that conventional, but I I think if DJ plays well and putts well with this shaft, you know what it takes. It just takes one big name having a good week with a product and others follow 
and I think DJ could be the catalyst for for some big movement with that shaft. So we'll see what happens, but but certainly a story to track, especially when DJ gets back on the golf course. A few other things that I uh, want to point out from a gear perspective uh, from last week. Matt Wallace and Patrick Cantlay put in new Odyssey putters. Wallace, who finished T18, put in a new Odyssey 2-ball 10. That putter is still red hot. Cantlay is an interesting one because he's a traditionalist. He was using a, a Scotty Cameron Newport 2 blade. He goes into an Odyssey white hot OG 2-ball mallet with a Super Stroke Flatso 1.0 grip. Larger head, larger grip. I think we both know where, where Cantlay's going. He's looking for some more stability as well. Maybe looking to quiet the hands a little bit with that slightly larger grip. Uh, another change to point out, Kevin Kisner, speaking of arm lock, goes to an arm lock putter that he'd, he'd received two years ago. Um, there, From what I heard at, at Hilton Head, there were a lot of interested guys trying out the arm lock, and I was told that Zalatoris – the way that he putted at Augusta may have had something to do with with some other pros giving it a shot, which is crazy because Zal Torres has not been on tour for that long. He's not Why even is a Willie Z starting this wave. I don't get. He's it. not Mark even. He's been not around even a, for a so tour long. member yet. They haven't like these tour players haven't seen Matt Kuchar or like Webb Simpson putt. They finish top ten every week, printing think, money. You know, you know how it is. Trilly, though, it, it's Trilly like Z shiny has a good toy. Masters performance, and now it's, it's like the shiny. It's the shiny new toy. Um, well, oh, I was going to also mention Kucher. Did you see? He's still in righty arm lock. Oh, oh man. Yes. Oh. So he's still in righty the, arm I lock. I lost that bet. We all lost that bet. We all thought he was going to be out. Um, he's committed. Got to yeah, respect he, that. He is committed. Maverick McNeely returned to an old set of Nike VR Pro Blades. It's the set of irons that he just can't quit. Yep. Um, one other change that I'm going to mention, and we'll, we'll have some more details for the, for the next pod, or at least I won't, but you will. There's some new irons out on tour at Zurich in Victor Hovland's bag. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? How did they look? Did you know? New I-Series. So looks looks like there's looks like there's a new set of I-59s that have shown up in Hovey's bag. So uh, in addition to some new Glide Pro wedges, those are also tour only, but... People mm-hmm. got to be getting excited. Some new I series irons are coming out. These these are going to. When's be the last time I series came out? Uh, let's see here. I mean, it feels like 2014, but that can't be. Yeah, right. it's it's I'd probably say, was like it the 57s. Uh, what series was it? I'm trying to I'm trying to think like because I'm well it's it's like I keep thinking like I series. I'm thinking like I blade. Right. Right. Um, right being being like that's where mine my mind went to too i blade yeah yeah i mean i would say but it's weird because this i don't think that this is going to be um i don't know i don't know it's it'll be interesting to see where these irons fit because to me i i always remembered like the s series being being super popular like s56 and these kind of just give me like that better player vibe um but you know, iBlade was was more of a uh, you know an interesting design because it also had it also had a kind of a bit of a, a scooped cavity. This one looks more like a like a full on blade. But again, 
that doesn't mean anything. There's probably a ton of technology packed inside, a bit more forgiveness. And as we've seen with Hovey, I mean, he's used I-210. He's used I-Blade. Uh, you know, he always likes a bit a bit of forgiveness. So I don't think they're they're true blade irons. Yeah, I mean, I He's going to play a combo set. He always plays at a some combo point. set. At some yeah. point he will, for sure. <laughs> but he'll do it backwards. He'll do it the way you're not supposed to. He'll go, yeah. like, less forgiving on the long irons, more forgiving on the short irons. Yeah, yeah, he will. He definitely will. Uh, next topic that we wanted to discuss, it, I guess it kind of has, uh, selfishly, I think this is an interesting topic. It kind of has something to do with gear. This new 40 million bonus pool that the PGA tour is, is set to release. Golf week was the first to report it. It's not based on top tens, but it's actually based on popularity, which is just <laughs> wild to me. Ricky Fowler's going to be making a killing off the golf course. That's all I'm going to say. Gonna, he's going to win. Yeah. It's so if you, if you haven't heard about this, this is going to be based on it's, it's called the player impact performance ranking. And it factors in things like Google search performance, social media engagement, Q rating. Now, if you're not familiar with the Q rating, it's a measurement of a celebrity's like appeal, um, their brand. It's, it's a lot of like measurables that have become very popular. I mean, even, even journalists, sometimes you don't really feel like a journalist. Sometimes you feel like you're more of a brand, you know, you're, you're on different platforms. And I think that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to get these pros to get out there. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to ever have trouble again, getting the pro on for fully equipped. We're, we're, we're so big time that I'm sure we're going to help with you rating for sure. <laughs> it's ba- okay. it's basically a FedEx cup race for like Twitter followers to see who can get the most the most Twitter followers and yeah, retweets. I, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. How many more golf boy videos are we going to see? The golf boys. <laughs> Tons. <laughs> Too mean, many. When's, is. when's Webb Simpson getting the TikTok account? <laughs> That's yeah. what I want to know. <laughs> is he going to start doing viral dance videos? Oh, <laughs> uh, he's going to, he's going to be, he's going to be doing viral videos on arm lock. I, I, I can see it now. Especially. I know especially Max, with- Max Holm was popping champagne right now. Cause he's leading. Oh that wave. man. Yeah, yeah. He Max must be pretty like, happy. I could see good. him cracking the top ten on something like this. Yeah. Who's who's the one guy that you that you think of right now is probably not that high in this in this ranking, but is gonna like shoot up. Who do you who do you think's gonna like go out there and, and like really push their brand? Hmm. That's a good question. I'll I'll hmm. say a name we've already said, Victor Hovland. He, Hobie's a funny dude. He's a funny dude. Like I've seen, he doesn't really have a huge social following. I know he has, um, I know he has an Instagram account, but I'm not sure if he has a Twitter account not or not, but he's, he's a funny dude. I could see him kind of going up the, like some of the things that he said in, in, uh, in press conferences was, I think it was at John Deere. They were asking him a question and he was talking about, and it was like, and this is totally out of context, but it was like, stay off the weed. Yeah. 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 So I would say, I'll, I'll say Hovland. I I bet he, I bet he skyrockets up these rankings in in the next year. I could see uh, Matt Kuchar starting to do like ping pong tutorials and like really weird stuff. Like he's, he's a pretty funny dude and kind of a jokester. Um, I could see, I could see him getting jacked up and kind of going like the Phil Mickelson route. And that's, starting to be more like that's immediately uh, where my celebrity. brain went. Yeah. I stole your answer. I'm sorry, Chris. Uh, no, but I I think it's a great one. 
I could I could totally see him going, and that's where I immediately thought I could see him going the Phil Mickelson route and just start doing some off the wall crazy stuff. And yeah, with his with his ping pong background, he could definitely put some interesting content out there. I mean, there is a long list of guys who are not very happy about this at all. Like guys that don't like being on social media or maybe they have a bad rap out there already. Like a, a guy like um, like Xander. I mean, he's what, four, five in the world, but he doesn't really have much of a social media presence, does he? What about what about Hideki? Yeah, what about Hideki? Like how do they how do they quantify it? Cuz he's probably one of the biggest um golfers yeah. like in the world when you look at a yeah. global standpoint. Yeah. But yeah, you know. It'll be and and of course they're now they're now implementing this right after Hideki won. Could you imagine what would have happened if if Hideki had won and these these like player impact rankings were were in place? Mm. would have making a, a nice little financial windfall in addition to winning a green jacket. So it is interesting. It, it's, it'll, it'll be, I'm curious to see how players handle this, how many really put themselves out there and try and, and gain a, a lion's share of this bonus pool and how many just go, you know, whatever I'm going to get what I'm going to get. I've got some, got sponsored deals in place already. It's really not worth it. Cause I know, you know, you look at Brooks Kepka for instance, I mean, Kepka stayed a free agent and didn't do a gear deal because he just didn't want to give up his off days. You know, the days that he might have been, he might have had to give up to a manufacturer for uh, events or shoot days or whatever. You know, how many how many pros are going to give up those days just to get some extra bonus money? Be curious. It's it's very it's an interesting way to to make tour pros a bit more motivated, or at least to see how motivated are they to get some additional cash. I know this for a fact. This is great for content. Oh, the content's yeah. gonna be great, you know, for the for fans. Sure. I mean, if these guys start kicking it up, showing more personality, it's clear the tour kind of wants them to do that. They're incentivizing them to do that. Um, I mean, obviously, this is probably somewhat of a response to the Premier Golf League. No, like all the money they were talking about, and PGA Tour players probably went to the tour and like, hey, we need some more money for popularity. No, I don't know. Or do you I think mean, this part, was a separate thing. I think it's a separate thing. I I think this is. I think maybe this is more. If you look at other, if you look at other sports, you know, I would say like the NBA and the NFL and some of these other sports, their their players do a pretty good job of of showing their personality, good, bad, or otherwise, mm-hmm. on social media, where you kind of feel like you get to know them a little bit. Whereas it sometimes feels like tour pros you know, with the exception of like the homas and, and guys like that who are willing to kind of go out there and and show a little bit of authenticity, it sometimes feels like tour pros are pretty cookie cutter. And, you know, they give a lot of the same stock answers and, and it doesn't really feel like you get to know them all that well. And that's mm-hmm. really a way that you gain that, that you gain fans and that you gain fans and certain players. And maybe it's a great way to to grow the brand as much as I hate saying that. But it is. It's it's a good way to grow the brand and maybe get some some new blood in there and and you know who knows maybe that translates to to more viewers watching golf because they loved some you know Matt Kuchar ping pong TikTok video. I you know I don't know like what whatever whatever <laughs> that's it going takes to happen really. too. That's yeah, not even I mean it's it's gonna, like it's gonna happen. Coming. I I do I do like that one and I, I'm stealing your idea, Turski. But it I mean it is. It's it's one of those things where. 
it 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 could it could get people interested in, in watching uh, a regular tour event. So I don't know. I, I do I, again. I like the idea. Very curious to see how it plays out and who puts themselves out there. So it's eight million to the top prize. Can we can we get some guesses on who's going to win? <laughs> Tiger. I was going to say. I was going to say Bryson. Polter. Ricky. Yeah. Ricky? Wait, wait. Does negative publicity count in this? Like, is that a good thing? Hell yeah! Or they, it, they, publicity it, is publicity. It's yeah, still views. views. So but, wouldn't Patrick Reed win? Oh, like if Patrick Reed's in the field, everyone is tweeting about it, no matter what. <laughs> like the tweeting about his outfit, like his his face, like what he does. I still, I still think I still think the positive the positivity is going to win out here. Uh, Tiger, I, I just so. think it I mean, is Tiger's Tiger so big. I think. Now, what if what if two pros got together and decided to uh, to like have a on course like verbal battle, and then it then it you know bleeds out into social media Ooh, like and then they WWE. Go at it. Yeah, like they're just setting it up. Well, like, I mean, you, you, hey man, you I'm gonna see, I'm gonna crack my putter over your head. Yeah, I mean, you see this stuff happen all go the viral. time on uh, on like NBA players. Uh, you know, cracking back on social media after a game or, or whatever. I mean, and then usually that stuff goes viral. I could totally te- see something like this happening just just to kind of get their name out there, move up mm. in the Google searches. You know, that's I that's like it. Conspiracy theorist Jaywall came. There we go. Always, like, listen, my my tinfoil hat is always on, buddy. It, 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 <laughs> it's it's right underneath this baseball cap. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's all it's all about the conspiracy theories for me. So, yeah. All right. So do you think that we're going to see up and coming guys that we haven't seen be active all of a sudden just start swarming us with content or the guys that are already active getting even more popular and doing more off the wall stuff? What do you think? I see mean, pretty happen? much everyone's going to crank it up. I'm, I'm sure the guys who are like, I'm never going to make any money off this, they're probably just going to proceed as is. But um, guys who are like on the bubble of that top 10, I could see them cranking it up for a little bit more money. You know, what about like a, like a Joel Damon? He'd be great. He'd be great. Joel Damon's hilarious. He'd be great. I, I love, I love his sense of humor. If he, if he were to crank it up a little bit, I think it could, I think it could, uh, I think it could do, I could think you could do a lot for his brand. At least give him some extra cash. We need his more caddy, Willie Z too. We need more Willie yeah. Z. He seems yeah. like he would be a very entertaining kid. I think he would With, be. He he definitely kind of has that surfer vibe. Um, I, I think I think he'd be hilarious once he becomes a PGA Tour member, which he still is not yet. He's gonna have to he's gonna have to wait for that, which is matter just time. wild. It's I wild. think with all the Happy Gilmore references that he got during the Masters and the fact that he had Adam get Sandler, Adam Sandler involved. Yeah. yeah, there would he's be. Got do a, do a he's got to meet up. He's got to meet right. He's oh. got to meet up with Sandler. Do a, do a recreation exactly. of of the scene. Yes. Oh man, yes. that would that would totally blow up. If that happens, we we got to get. I mean, although it's it's such a layup idea. Let's say we we're gonna have to get some of that extra bonus pool cash for uh, for throwing it out there before anybody. I'm sure else they've already it. filmed it. Like, oh, I'm sure <laughs> they're ready. He's ready. To it's go. already done. As soon as this done. news came out, he probably sent a yeah. DM to Sandler like, "Hey, man." Need you, bud. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Help. I need. Little we'll split here. this eight million for the for the win if I win it. Yeah. All right. Last topic. It's an interesting one. Tursky and I finally. It was the when was the last time you and I were able to go on a trip together? It's been it's been a while. Never. Like ever? four like four years ago, probably. Yeah. It's it, COVID. It's, it's man. been a while. Can't do Co- COVID. I know. So anyway, we're we're back at it. 
It's exciting. We got some more trips planned for the two of us coming up. One of them that we got an email about that you and I Ooh. are really, whoo, man, really <laughs> pumped. Later, later this Bucket summer. List. Bucket yes. list trip. You've never been. I've been before. I can't wait to go back. Uh, but Why you always got to rub it in my face that you're already been. <laughs> we're not. Let me just say we're not Between going to play Augusta, Augusta. In this course. We're not. We're not going to play Augusta this summer. For people wondering, because I, I I do rub that in Turski's face. But this one it, too. You do this one all the time. Maybe not on the podcast. I do not. I do not rub this one in your face. Stop <laughs> it. The, the the one I want to bring up here is a trip that you and I took last Friday. We went out to a place that had a warning sign for warning cats and snakes. Where were we? Cobra Puma. Cobra Puma. Bryson's Lair. Yeah, we we had there. There's gonna be a ton of content coming out from this. I don't want don't want to give too much away, but we had a chance to see uh, boxes that had the words Bryson Coffin written on them. How many boxes do you think were there? Probably close to twenty. Yeah, I was going to say 15 to 20, yeah, all absolutely yeah, I mean, packed with crazy golf clubs. Some of these that you're going to see in, in some of this content coming out are, are complete one-offs that have never seen the light of day outside of Bryson testing them. Just wild designs that, I, like, literally, I was just laughing at a few of them. They were so crazy. I mean, you've um, been to Artisan, like the oven where Mike Taylor has all that stuff. And that's like yeah. really incredible to get to experience, see all of Tiger's old prototypes and Duval mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I haven't been so wowed by golf clubs like in my life. Looking yeah. at these crazy custom designs that you literally can't see anywhere else. And they would never be designed for anyone else because Bryson's willing to take crazy risks and experiment with all sorts of things. And, you know, Ben Shulman's down for the cause, too. He's he's really into testing and designing. So it's just it was just such a unique experience to get to go in there and see all that. Yeah. It's like going to a, a car show and going to, like, the concept car area. Exactly. And you see a lot, exactly you see a lot of designs like. that are just so wild, and it kind of leaves your, like, your jaws on the floor because you can't believe that a car like this exists it's not out in the mainstream but it's been made and that's that's the way that it felt was all of these crazy club designs that were made for bryson literally it's like ben and bryson have an idea and it's like let's try and make it but what does it look like how does it play bryson will hit it maybe he hits it you know a handful of times maybe he plays with it in a tournament um, we come to find out that he actually played with a few of these. We never had any idea that he had played with a few of the, these designs. But how yeah, did those crazy go under trip. the radar? Yes. You know how do, um, how do we not pick up on that? But yeah, there none of these yeah. designs are crazy just for the sake of you know being outlandish. Yeah. Like they're aiming. They have a goal. They're trying to do something with the club, whether mm-hmm. it's get height up, knock spin down, move CG into a unique location for his swing. So. Just really cool. You know, as gear guys, it's like the Mecca right there. Yeah, it really, it really is. I mean, it's crazy to say that, but, but some of, some of the stuff that Bryson had cooking over is, I guess, four plus years now with, with Cobra. Some of, some of them are, are absolutely insane. Can't wait to show you the video that we have coming out or videos, probably plural, not singular. And, uh, and all the other, the content that we have from this trip. Hersky may or may not have hit a, a driver with some insanely low loft. That'll be a fun one. 
I hit a putter that that looked like a driver. It's yeah, basically yeah. a dry a driver with putter loft. It, it was yeah. it was fun to see. But anyway, just wanted to tease that should be coming out here in the next uh, several weeks. We'll of course push it hard on on social media, build up the brand. Um, unfortunately, we don't get paid extra in any sort of bonus pool for doing that. But yeah, we're not involved either in the here nor there. Or forty million dollar yeah, pool. Yeah, yeah, but be sure to check out what's uh, what's coming down the pipeline at golf.com. And with that. Let's get into this week's interview. We had a chance to talk to Andy Victoriano. He is the VP of Customer Experience and Tour Relations at TrueSpec. Why did we have Andy on when we have the biggest brain of all at TrueSpec and Chris McCormick on the podcast? It's because Andy had a chance to work with Justin Rose on his gear, pre-masters. We got into Rosie's gear, working with tour pros. Really informative interview. Enjoy it. All right. Well, if you remember last week, we talked about Justin Rose. He had a tailor-made M1 driver. Actually went back to the M-series woods across the board. And we told you that there was more to this story than just the guy putting a 2017 driver in the bag. So what do we do when we want to get more about the story? We get somebody on who actually worked on these clubs Andy Victoriano, he's True Specs VP of Customer Experience and Tour Relations. Actually, just made the move from Miami to Scottsdale. Welcome to the neighborhood, Thank Andy. You. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Getting uh, settled in. Yeah, I'm sure it's it's got to be uh, got to be a lot making a move like that. But we know that in addition to making a move, you were also working on Justin's gear. We want to get into more than just Rosie's stuff. But let's start there because a lot of people were kind of curious what was going on. Uh, you had a chance to work on his gear. What was that like? What was what was the process like when you initially got all of the clubs that that were Rosie's? So his caddy, uh, like you talked about last week, you know he had a, Rosie had a back issue and couldn't make it to Miami, so he brought over with his caddy about let's say four dis- different sets of woods six different sets of irons he had me rebuild two sets of irons old uh, 730s that he wanted to test out different shaft options back in the bahamas at albany where he lives so it's uh it was a extensive uh you know specking out of let's say 30 to 40 clubs were they mostly old clubs or was he testing like some old some new uh he was it was kind of both i mean he had a couple sets of mp4s mp5s that he's playing like he's playing right now the mp5s um he had a couple old sets of tailor-mades he had a couple new sets of like the mp uh the mb line of tailor-mades um but he wanted to mix around with shafts we when i worked with him before he had silent hanma he is was playing 130x c tapers and he was bouncing uh, back and forth between s pluses and x's so i was trying to move him towards back to the x where he played his best where he played in the olympics and won um that's where that shaft uh that he played with in the masters came from it was kind of a gold medal edition 10 the orange i was about to say wasn't that wasn't that the setup that he used the the one that he used uh at the masters isn't that same setup that he used at the olympics yep yep uh mca mitsubishi uh shaft company basically built two up and one stayed with us and one went to him. We built it up and that went into his, uh, 
his M1 uh, driver there that he played with uh, in the Masters, which was pretty cozy. He loves that shaft, huh? Well, there's more to that story, too, because people were asking. They're like, now, is it just the lighting on that photo? Is it really gold? Are they coming out with a gold shaft? So there's there's your real answer. It's still the same shaft, but just custom made for a guy that that won a gold medal yeah the shaft actually has his score his scores and total score on it uh plus gold uh coloring which is pretty cool i love that he i love that he uses it that's such a power move like showing up on the tee with like a fully custom tensei orange shaft like oh yeah by the way boys here's uh here's my winning score and and oh yeah if you if you didn't remember i actually won a gold medal i love that but my i guess the one thing that I noticed about all of this with, with Rosie's stuff is just the mountain of golf clubs that he sent. I know that you work with other, you've worked in the past with other tour players. How does, how does what Rosie sent you compare to what you normally get when you're trying to spec out clubs for, for a tour pro? Is is it more, is it, is it pretty much on, on par kind of where, where does, uh, where does Rosie stand? I mean, his stuff, when, when we were building it, uh, you know, he had me, basically spec out and move, let's say, law flies, uh, all the old specs from true spec times prior when he was with TaylorMade, when we were building and specking out all stuff, and we were working with him alongside the TaylorMade guys. Um, he had me go back to those old specs, and that's what he played with in the Masters. Um, just something familiar, you know, he's, you know, he's been struggling a little bit and kind of getting his game back into form. Uh, but, um, he is pretty much, you know, half inch over D3 swing weight on the irons. Um, he is a little built up on the grip. He has his own custom Lampkin grip uh, that's just made for him. This has JR on it, uh, which is pretty cool. But he is, uh, you know, nothing too crazy. I've had a few other tour players that have a couple swing weights that are a little extreme, like uh, Woodland plays at D6 on his irons, which is uh, – slightly heavy but um, pretty beefy yeah so but yeah it's uh his stuff is pretty pretty on point but working with him it's a bit uh extreme when he when he can call out you know certain numbers when working on track meta i was with him before prior to covid prior to quarantine i was with him in albany in the bahamas and we were on track and he'd call out you know, certain numbers and trackman would say within like a yard, which was pretty cool. When he's testing a bunch of different shafts and club heads, and obviously you have trackman going, what are like the biggest metrics that he's looking at? Whether it's spin, ball speed, like dispersion, what is he really focusing on? I mean, mainly for him, it's a lot of it's dispersion. A lot of it's distance control. Honestly, he's super uh, technical in that standpoint. Um, as you can see, you know, he's, more, he's not much of a field player, but he's more of you know, positions in a swing. You see him kind of his practice swings, trying to get in certain, certain positions. He on trackman, he's worried about hitting a certain number on each, every iron. If a, if a club goes a little too far, he wants to know why, is it, is it stronger lofted? Is this, you know, matching exactly uh, loft to loft when we were, when he was changing into uh, Hanma, we tested his old tailormates, you know, set that he, Basically, won. Uh, was I think the FedEx, one of the FedEx Cup events that he had won. Um, he played probably best. I think that's when he turned got to number one in the world. Um, and he uh, we we tested that set against all the new Hanma stuff, and we were trying to 
hit the same numbers in ball speed and carry distance and spin rate and feel wise too. When it comes to the driver, obviously he put back in a driver that he used in 2017. And we talk about um, on this show a lot, you know, when's the right time to upgrade a driver? Is it three years, five years? Like when does technology pass you by? What were some of the, the speed and distance differences from the M1 2017 to the new stuff, assuming that he hit like, you know, some of the new tailor-made products or the new uh, new brands that they have out now that are the new and latest and greatest technologies, you know? What were those speed differences that he was seeing? I mean, for him, it was mainly, um, you know, he, he's up there at 116, 117, 118 club speed. Um, and it was not mainly a gain of distance because he already hits it far. I mean, he could carry it 300 and hit it 315, 320. He, he, he can hit it out there but mainly for him is being able to make that switch into the new product and make it uh, as consistent. Is it a little more forgiving the consistency of the uh, strike? Um, is he being able to control it as good as his old stuff? And that's where him making that transition to the new stuff is makes it easier versus him not changing. That's why he still has those M4 M6 fairways because he trusts those things so much. So he's not in the uh, the Bryson DeChambeau um, distance race. No, he's more concerned about hitting it consistent, getting it between the tree lines. At all, he hits it long enough to to keep up with the boys. Yeah, I'd say very few of the tour players that we see are as concerned with the distance game as as our buddy Bryson. Would you agree with that, Andy? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Agree. I, those guys are looking at numbers, looking at precision, looking at repeatability and consistency. And like you said, just controlling that downrange dispersion shot to shot. Yeah, hundred percent. So he was testing a bunch of different driver heads, but mostly all of them had the Tensei orange or the Tensei custom gold. On the, they all had like the same shaft in them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that the, every, I would say he had pretty much 98% of all the fairwoods and drivers that came over to Dural uh, about a month ago before I moved over here, they all had Tenzi Orange raw uh, shafts in them. There's a few in there that he wanted to try at TPT and uh, what other shaft was it? Uh, but I think that was the only shaft. I mean, it was all Tenzi Orange. It was crazy. Do you recommend that for testing, like for amateurs, stick with the same shaft? It's my understanding that like – you know, different heads match up with different shafts differently because, you know, of the CG location and the different kick points of the shaft and how they match up for your swing. Obviously, Justin Rose, he loves that shaft. But for most people, like, what's the proper way to go about matching shaft and head, in your opinion? I mean, you have to get fit. I mean, that, you know, you for him, he, he moves, he kind of leans towards something he prefers as far as feel. He's always played Potenzi Orange. He's kind of went back and forth with a couple other, let's say, Diamana product and that uh, Ventus Black for a little bit, but he always goes back to the Tenzi Orange. And that is a shaft that he's played for years. So I can see where he kind of falls back to something comfortable in the fairways and the driver. And for your you know, regular guy that comes in to see us here at TrueSpec, uh, you want to go through the fitting. Sometimes the same shaft does work. Uh, in the driver in the fairways and sometimes uh, it can be completely different in a different weight and different kick point for a guy that swings too steep or he's too shallow or depending on their swing but you have to get fit at the end of the day I can't imagine what Rose's 
closet, his gear closet looks like when it comes to Tensei Warren shafts. It, ha- it has to be. <laughs> it's a separate just closet. Absolutely. It's just a closet yeah. for those yeah. shafts. I wonder what percentage of, of Tensei Orange shafts he owns in, in, in relation to like all of the ones that Mitsubishi has produced. He probably has like 50% market share, I, I, I would guess, with just that <laughs> shaft. But one of the things, Andy, that you mentioned was just the, the fairway woods. I, I know pros typically have difficulty getting getting one of those out of the bag, even if they're trying to see if something new is, is better. I know that's typically a tough one. Uh, speaking more to like the elite level amateurs that you've worked with and fitting, is, does that is it does that kind of play out the same way with them? Is is fairway typically a tough club, or is it just more of like a professional thing? It's a tough club for any I think any player, uh, amateur or pro. It's that special uh, magic club that a guy that has probably an old one that won't change it. If a guy walks in, let's say, and Christian probably um, agree with me, he walks in with like an RBZ tour that first generation that most of the guys loved and it went forever. If a guy walks into a fitting with that, you know, our fitters are going to say the same thing. That's going to be a little tough to beat. So when you find that special three wood that you can hit off the turf, you can hit the fairway, you can hit off the tee. Um, it's, you know, more than likely you want to keep that, make sure, you know, maybe get another one as a backup um, and then duplicate that. If the guy needs a five wood or a hybrid, but it's uh yeah, I mean, the it's normally with the pros they're they find a fairy wood that they like they're not changing um it's very rare that you see a guy change and if he changes he's changing to the same shaft but the updated head that's exactly the same when you're testing fairway woods do you typically uh hit off a tee or off the turf uh off the turf okay yeah. So he's curious about that. I don't do much fairway wood testing personally, but because you don't uh, play a typical fairway wood turski. I know, I know. I was doing some eleven wood eleven wood testing the other day, and I was like, "Wait, should I go off the grass or off the tee?" It's Mini a common question. In eleven I, woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mini drivers in eleven woods. That's what I'm about. Yeah. I feel like you should put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Mini drivers in eleven woods. Throw it in the shop. New merch. New merch line coming out. <laughs> New merch. As, as long as I've been doing fitting, I've normally fit everyone off the turf. And once we find a three where they can hit off the turf, it's going to be as easy to hit off a tee. So that's the sort of the key there. What are some of the other pros that you work with at uh, at TrueSpec? Who else are you fitting these days? Uh, I've worked with Woodland uh, down in Miami a lot. Uh, a ton of LPGA girls. Uh like uh, Carlotta Segonda, um, Gabby Lopez, um, who else? A uh, ton of Corn Fairy guys. I mean, down in Miami, we get a lot of the Latin American tour players uh, come through. Uh, but I mean, there's a, I can send you a long list of guys I've, been, I've worked with in the past. It's, uh, it's a bit extensive. You mentioned all those names, and I'm sure they're all a little bit different in, in the way they operate. Is that just something when you're going through a fitting, being being more vocal or kind of hanging back? Is that just something you you learn over time, as you're working with with players and kind of fitting them into gear? Yeah, I mean, you want to feel the player out if they're more technical, if they're more receptive of your information. Um, there's you know these tour players in general are sometimes particular on how they want to be uh, presented the information. So it's up to Chris and I to basically feel that out and say if he wants, if he's cool with 
tons of information and or is he does he want certain stuff that you don't want to you know go over his head on on certain information but yeah it just you have to feel it out depending on the player and what from having worked with with so many doer players what what's the one thing that you would point out that you would say to you know, if an amateur golfer was coming in for fitting, hey, tour players kind of operate this way in a fitting. This is something that you should probably embrace as well. Uh, good question. Um, I mean, I think most tour players, you know, are careful more of the consistency versus or the consistency and shot dispersion. Most of the amateurs we get here are distance kind of driven um, and you know, our fitters are looking for consistency and shot dispersion as well. But if we, if our amateurs, you know, if the amateur looks more for control and consistency and shot dispersion, the distance is going to come regardless with the new technology, but I kind of push them in that direction first and uh, let the distance come after. With such a focus on dispersion consistency, how do professional golfers deal with outliers? Obviously they have a lot less than us, but like, when I'm fitting and I hook one off the planet, I'm like, delete it. Yeah. That's you know, do they, do they keep everything in? Cause no. you know, that, that is part of golf. Yeah. Well, you, know, like you got to deal with, Rose, the misses with too. Rose with Rose. He'll, he'll, he'll tell me if he misses one or he hits one and, and he'll tell that little, that was a, an odd shot. So we mm-hmm. normally erase it. So it's clean slate as far as comparable numbers, uh, but they'll let you know when, if they miss one or they, might you know say it's the golf ball or you know a miss hit or something that was great insight and uh loved loved all the little rosy nuggets there andy thanks so much for the time thanks for having me and that'll do it for episode 87 of fully equipped thanks as always for listening if you're looking for more gear news you can always find us on social media we're at fully equipped golf on instagram and at fully underscore equipped on twitter take care we'll see you around